I feel like with virtual work, it's possible for everything to become so efficient mm-hmm. that you realize you don't, you don't know anybody. Right. Yeah. You know, and we, we mix that up and I was actually one of the other things I thought about is our check-in question. So we started this, we're still doing it. What's two years later. Um, every day at 8.45 a.m., we have a Zoom call. And sometimes people aren't there. They'll send an update up uh, otherwise. And we ask a, a question. I've got a list of 152 questions. I've got some card decks with some stuff on them. Or something will happen. Like today, I think it was the, we talked about, what's your relationship? No, that was yesterday. Relationship with sports. And some people are like, well, eh, I played them, but I don't really watch them. Some people are like, I watch them. I, and I never was really good at playing them. And we just went around the room and, you know, it took, I don't know, five minutes maybe. Really not very long, but we're getting to know each other really well because we ask each other questions about stuff that matters outside of work. Welcome to the Ripple Leader Podcast with Chris Hutchinson. I'm your co-host, Seth Silvers, and every week on this show, I will sit down with Chris Hutchinson, founder and CEO of the Trebuchet Group, and have engaging conversations with one goal, to help you build clarity and confidence for leaders and teams. This season, we are hosting these conversations live on Fireside Chat, which means you can join us in the conversation. If you want to ask questions live, download Fireside Chat on your mobile device and tune in live to join the interview. Hello there, Chris. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Wonderful. Awesome. How did you new? Do you say I do? Yeah, you sound clear and distinct. Good. I have a new tech setup, so I um, wasn't working at first. So what do you do? You unplug everything and you plug it back in. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that happens. I just, it's like, a, you know, it's, it's the old days. They used to like smack the car, or the radio or the TV right now. They just, like, yep. just unplug everything, turn it off, turn it back on. It'll work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris and listeners, right now we have the wonderful Waitbot and Jen. Um I'm excited that this is the first show of, uh, I think this is the first show of 2022. It is, yeah. I was like, I think it was over two weeks ago last time we talked. I think so. So anyway, um, if you're new here listening live or to the replay, this is the Ripple Leader podcast. Um, I serve as kind of a co-host question asker. And uh, Chris Hutchinson is kind of our main host, the CEO of the Trebuchet Group, which is an amazing leadership consulting and coaching firm. Um, so Chris, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Well, we, I thought we'd just open it up with uh, the title, Leading in 2022 Opportunities and Challenges, that it seems that we are living in interesting times. You know, that, the, the saying that says, may you live in interesting times, lots of challenges, lots of opportunities. And I think part of leadership is figuring out how do you overcome the challenges or move aside so they zip by you and seize the opportunities, try to see what can we do here, even amidst all the difficulties that people are experiencing. Which is a great way to start the year. I mean, I think it's it's easy to talk about, you know, what we want to do or what goals you have or whatnot. But I think it's important to talk about and kind of step back and look at, okay, what are the opportunities going to be and what are the challenges going to be? So I know I have some uh, ideas or questions that I'm kind of bringing to the table today and uh, also looking forward to hearing your thoughts. But is this a conversation you're having with your clients early in the year? 
Yes, and why yes, Seth, it is. I haven't, I, we didn't script this ahead of time, but yeah, we a lot of times like, hey, what are you thinking about for 2022? Not in a uh, New Year's resolution kind of way. What do you see? What, what's happening for you right now? What do you see for the future? I think the whole uh, resurgence of the COVID virus and have it be so spreadable and everything. I think there's a lot of people that are sort of like, are we ever going to get out of this? And part of it's like, well, we got to figure out how to just work through this. I think there's a lot of challenges that people are dealing with around staffing and around supply chain continuing to be this weird, funky thing that it's not the steady state wonder that we used to have. You know, all the way down to, you know, sadly, people even losing employees or employees losing family members to COVID, which is just heartbreaking. So there's some very tough things and there's some pretty amazing stuff, too, that people are doing to overcome the challenges and seize the opportunities. Yeah, I I agree. I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, just thinking about how different of a work environment it is right now. And uh, work just looks so different, certainly than three or four years ago. And it looks pretty different than even a year ago in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing there's just, there's going to be challenges and there's going to be opportunities. And um, I think it's, yeah, it's important to just to recognize that and kind of take time to embrace that. Yeah, I think it's, I think there are even, and you probably hear this in the way I'm talking about, even within the midst of the situational challenges, there are still amazing opportunities to deepen relationships, to figure out what we're really doing here, to step back and re-examine beliefs and systems and habits that, you know, we, we just kind of accepted them in a business or an organization. And it's like, well, what does that do anyway? How does that help? And do we still want to get there? So. Hopefully that's some of the questions you have. I had some of the things that I I'm thinking about as well. Yeah. I think, you know, something that I was thinking about with, um, you know, with opportunities that I'm thinking through is, you know, I think there's a big opportunity this year to do things differently business wise. And I kind of alluded to it with just mentioning work looks very different right now. And I feel like, you know, we've talked about the great resignation on this show I think people's relationship to work is being challenged right now. And so I do, I think there's an opportunity for there to maybe be, you know, desires, business owners or desires leaders have had to maybe just do things differently in their industry where now might be a time because people are kind of reframing their relationship Mm -hmm. with work or their perspective of work. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity even down to the individual leader to say, you know, how do I really show up and what's really helpful and what might not be helpful? Um, and what can I learn from this so that the next change that occurs, I'm ready to do that too. Yeah. So I think, you know, a question that I have that I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on, Chris, is sure. really diving into that aspect of how do how do we continue to, you know, how can we continue to innovate as leaders or maybe do things differently when it seems everything is up for, not necessarily up for debate. It seems things are so fluid. So many things are changing in the workplace. So many things are changing in relationships that it almost feels like a double negative to, okay, well, let's initiate change when everything around us is already changing. It feels like as leaders, maybe we need to provide the like the baseline, the solid, the constant. Yet I'm heading into this year and I'm thinking like, well, maybe this is a time to to change things. 
Yeah, that's, I, I like the way you said it. Thanks for the illustration of that. You know, it's a double negative because we're like adding change to change. Um, yeah, boy, I have a couple of thoughts on that. And what's really fun is looking out over the audience. I see Jen and her her picture just has this very pensive kind of looking up and thinking. So Jen, jump up here and, and have a conversation with us because I'm sure you have some good thoughts here too. But in the meanwhile, um, thinking about that change on change, there is definitely a factor that people, and you can go Google it, you know, just change overload or what's the change capacity of an organization. And we're past it in a lot of cases. I mean, of individuals absorbing change. I, I think the place, the, the cool part, and I guess this is innovation. Maybe it's not totally, you know, let's, let's innovation for innovation's sake. Yeah, it's not this, but if we look at what we're doing and I ask myself the question, what am I really getting out of that? What could I do differently? It might be just stop, maybe not do that at all or change what you're doing. And I think that can, that's, that in itself is innovating because you're not doing that thing that you used to do because maybe it doesn't serve purpose anymore. You know, the, the buggy whip manufacturers went out of business because the thing they were doing really well wasn't really needed when you had horseless carriages. So perhaps it's an opportunity to look at where can I get energy back from not doing something? Could we, what happens if we don't do that? So I, I don't know, when we think of innovation, is it always just forward leaning or would it include the sort of like, maybe we stop doing something? Well, I mean, a big thing for me is, uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this on our last time we spoke or not, but one of our big priorities this year is actually to work, work less. Mm -hmm. Um, and to kind of redefine a little bit of like, you know, what is a, what does a full-time employee look like at story on? And, mm -hmm. and even for me personally, I feel like the last, you know, five to 10 years, I've kind of bought into the, you just got to work harder and work more. Right. And so for me, I've explored a lot this last year, you know, studies and stories of businesses that are, uh, they're kind of taking back control of what it means to define their work week and how much they work and different things like that. So I think for me, it, it's looking a little bit more like getting energy, like kind of taking energy back. Mm -hmm. um, so less of, you know, maybe we're adding things in a sense of adding principles or standards or different things, but it's more of, okay, what can we take back Mm -hmm. that the return from what we take back will hopefully, you know, give back to the people in our, you know, in our community, hopefully they'll feel better treated. And also hopefully that the work that we do will be higher quality and more focused. Yeah. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. It's a perfect illustration. I think is that you're, you know, it's what did some people have said this about somebody leaving a business. They go, well, we had some addition by subtraction, you know, by somebody leaving, we actually were able to move forward faster or better. And you can do that, I think, in schedules. I have this year my innovative thing after 20 years in the business, uh, starting like what, two weeks here in February, I'll be 20 years in. Kind of crazy. Um, but one of the things that we're going to be doing is every, it took me a little while to get it into sync, but every other month I'm going to be taking a week off. And mm. I don't have exact plans for it. There's that silent retreat out in October. And I'm going to be taking a month off in the middle of the year. Um, middle July to middle of August, I'm going to have to innovate to figure out how to get similar amounts of work or could be less work done or the same quality in less time. So it's right. going, to, going to force me to innovate and it's making me take time for me. So very similar to yours. I think there are a lot of people that are doing that, like rethinking about 
like you said, ab absorbing the, the myth that just says just work harder. Well, how do we work smarter? How do we do less? Um, maybe there's things we're doing that don't add as much value to us or other people. Let's just not do those. Right. Yeah. I, sim I, I'm not trying to take quite as much off as you. I, lo I love that you're taking a month off and, and we've thought about that. But for me, I'm, you know, trying to just take four weeks off in the year. And, um, I was actually meeting with the, the person who does, who is my business coach. And I told him that for Christmas, I actually had to Google, how do you, how do you set up an email autoresponder? <laughs> Cause I, I, I didn't know how to do it. I, I had no well, clue. Humility, how to do it. I, I love that about you. Um, so that was interesting, but that was kind of leading into like really trying to, you know, prioritize things this year. And I was writing down what I wanted to do and working less and taking more time off. And I wrote down like what has to happen to make this work. There you go. And one of the things that I really quickly realized was I can't, I can't do everything. Like I have to, I have to empower my team. Um, you know, everything can't be on my shoulders. Well, you, you could, you, you could, you could, as some people do this with their organizations is they crunch themselves back down to the point where they can do everything. Yeah. Yeah. That, and then I'd probably end up taking a lot more time off because we just have to, we'd lose everything and shut our doors. Yeah. But that's, that's an option too. You know, some of the things that I'm thinking about opportunities, and this is, this is a wacky thing because I heard somebody say, you know what, there's an amazing, this is not my business opportunity, the amazing opportunity for like a simultaneous drone snack, coffee, donut, drink delivery, like for your team, you could have a thing where you just kind of, you know, multiple cities or multiple places go, okay, we're all going to have snacks at eight o'clock in the morning. We get coffee and donuts. You put all the addresses in and it shows up on the doors with, you know, this little ring or something and says, Hey, come out here and get your coffee and donuts. I mean, who knows? It's, somebody's going to put that together. And it's going to be an amazing business opportunity for people who want to have teams feel like they're connected, even though we're not physically together. So that was my silly, silly opportunity, you know. Somebody, yeah, there are, somebody else there are talked about like drive-by Zoom things where mm -hmm. you could just, again, matching the spontaneity of walking by somebody's desk. You could say, hey, you want to talk or whatever. Now, I, I know you can do that on Slack and then go to someplace or whatever, but uh, a lot of people don't use it that way. How could we have something that spontaneously could we could connect just like we do in real life, but through Zoom or, or through whatever? Yeah, and that, that gets into some of, you know, the, crazy ways we've adopted technology over the last couple of years. I'm curious, Chris, are there any things that heading into this year that just seem normal to you and to how you're interacting and working with your team that, you know, a year ago were maybe innovative or um, really challenging that now it's just, it's just normal. Yeah. There's a lot of practices we've been using in terms of, I think we've really ramped up our use of, um, I guess group where, you know, we have the Google suite and we use the mail and, you know, we'd have documents and stuff, but I think we're finding out how we can partner with clients. And there've been times where in the background, I'll be working with another facilitator, or a group of facilitators. We have a facilitator agenda on a Google doc and we're like real time. Six people are writing this at the same time. They're taking, somebody's taking notes and just the sort of fluidity that we're embracing it now. It's just second nature of us like oh yeah we need one of those facilitator agendas the behind the scenes thing and it allows us to one thing that's pretty interesting like i had some real life meetings in real life meetings and i and i so desperately wanted to pass notes to the leader that i could do on zoom i could send a little note saying hey how about we bring up x you know 
And I, I guess I could have written something down, yeah, you never up, walked over, handed it to her, and then she would have gone like, oh, good idea, right? But it just it right. was so seamless with Zoom. I'm like, yeah, it's actually Zoom's kind of nice that way. So, yeah, so. I can imagine you just giving post-it notes in all your in-person meetings. Now you're just constantly kind of like writing links down and little notes down and handing your your meeting your meeting friend the post-it notes throughout. Yeah, we, you know, someone to figure out like a real life way to do that. Uh, but did you still get to send it a little note? I don't know. It, there's some pretty there's some pretty slick things that I think we just take for granted now. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to talk with people across the country, around the world. We, we've had lots of conference calls where, oh yeah, this guy's. He's like, yeah, I'm in France. I'm uh, learning French because um, he's a he's Canadian. They're opening Quebec office in Quebec, and he's like, I, I figured I'd do in France, so I thought I'll just go work in Marseille for three months. Hmm. You know, like. I guess people could have done that before, but they weren't at the same sort of social economic level as me. And there were people that are pretty wealthy, but people are just doing that. Pretty right. cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that kind of leads into like one of the challenges that I was thinking about as we head into this year is, um, you know, f- we fully embraced, you know, having a virtual team, you know, at the, at the moment, like people that are working on our team are, really all over the place. One of which is actually in Marseille as well. Oh, wait, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, our blog writer, he is, uh, working in Marseille. They went there for three months and now they're going to stay there for three years just because they can. Wow. So similarly, cool. people are all over and we're embracing that and, you know, leveraging tools for it and different things. But the challenge is still having, you know, real authentic connection and, yep. Yep. You know, so some of the literature I've been reading and different things, you know, they, they talk about the value of having, you know, really, really specific, you know, having meetings for specific time, specific purposes and different things. And so I feel like with virtual work, it's possible for everything to become so efficient mm-hmm. that you realize you don't, you don't know anybody. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we mix that up. And I was actually one of the other things I thought about is our check-in question. So. We started this, we're still doing it, what's two years later, um, every day at 8.45 a.m., we have a Zoom call, and sometimes people aren't there, they'll send an update up otherwise, and we ask as a question, I've got a list of 152 questions, I've got some card decks with some stuff on them, or something will happen, like today, I think it was the, we talked about, what's your relationship, no, that was yesterday, relationship with sports, and some people are like, eh, I played them, but I don't really watch them, some people are like, I watch them, I and I never was really good at playing them. And we just went around the room and you know, it took, I don't know, five minutes maybe. Really not very long. But we're getting to know each other really well because we ask each other questions about stuff that matters outside of work. Hmm. And it's just it's really cool. I mean, when we have when we do physically get together, it feels like a deeper connection, even though we've been building it online. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really good example of um something to do to kind of incorporate that personal touch. And I, I think on another level, um, I'm having to be a lot more intentional about the other people outside of work that I spend time with, especially because, you know, I just transitioned to where my office is fully, um, remote now and I'm, you know, turned, we moved into a new place and turned a part of the place into an office, which is wonderfully great and convenient and efficient but also just realizing like, okay, things have gone so, you know, so virtual, we've embraced technology and there's all of these huge benefits. 
but I think it's going to be a challenge for people to not just like get back into the real world, but figure out, okay, how do we continue to leverage those benefits while building relationships that are healthy? And, um, yeah, we're, we're doing, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. I see the challenge is because we're, um, like, mm, it tech, if, if, it, if you were sitting in front of me and we were safe to breathe the air together, you know, we were communicating. It was like all the channels open, just open air. There's no restriction whatsoever. I think you get the video. Okay, now you're kind of breathing through a scuba diving tube. Uh, you get to a phone. It's kind of a straw. Text, it's like a coffee straw. You know, you can survive, but not too long on that, you know, if mm-hmm. that was the only thing you did. And so the communication modes have gotten more restrictive. And so I think it's, we have to be more intentional about what we ask, how we show up, but also the conflicts can spiral out of control. Like email chains have gotten worse during this time because people, you know, like the, I'm sitting in my own little room. I, I can't stand up and look at somebody and see they were joking. And so I might react and then they react to me reacting. And then now we're, right. you know, bringing other people. So I think there's an intentionality about how do we work through conflict really effectively when people are texting each other? Um, you know, it's, it's just harder. Uh, and we still use the rule. Like if, if you're sending something and you have sort of emotion around it, that's, that's negative, not that negative emotions are not bad, but that means you probably need to have a more direct conversation. Can we face to face zoom phone call might not work as well. Cause I can't read your things. I'll say teams that were, has masks on and together, they're having a hard time reading each other's, you know, what do you really mean? Even though we're in the room, we feel the energy but there's still uncertainty because I don't really, are you smiling or, or grimacing? I can't tell because right. that's behind the mask. I just see your eyes squinting. So then with that, has that turned into, you know, every time you get a request for a quick zoom call with a team member, you think it's something negative? No, I think uh, at least our team doesn't. We're just like, yeah, let's just get on. You know, we do the, uh, we use Google chat. I know some people use Slack. Um, we use Google chat to just kind of do stuff. And if it gets any complicated more than like a paragraph, we just jump on Zoom. So it's so frequent that we don't, it's sort of like your door's always open or you, let me say it the other way, you close it every once in a while. So it's mm-hmm. not only, oop, the door's closed, bad things are happening. We just use it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we are, I think we're maybe realizing, I say we as if I'm speaking for all of people, but well, I think everybody. everybody, I think I'm realizing that, uh, we just take, we've, you take some aspects of relationship for granted. Uh, you take some aspects of human connection for granted. And then I think when we're scaled back or we, you know, things innovate and move forward to where we're using more technology where, you know, you just don't get all of those same luxuries, which I think is forcing us to be more intentional. Um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully people are heading into this year wanting to be more intentional about how we, uh, how we communicate with people, but it certainly is going to require it to have the same level or anywhere close to the same level of human connection in the midst of how we're using all of this technology. Oh, I, I think so. And I think there's people that are just weary and, and I mean, you could see that some of the risks that people take that are dangerous and sometimes the risks aren't too bad, but um, one of the things Seth, I was thinking about my challenge. So segueing the challenge, I think there's a real challenge, especially for leaders to finding the sweet spot between the business needs and the needs of employees 
and probably the needs of the leader, you know, or leaders or whatever. How do, where is the sweet spot in there? Because it can feel like those might be farther apart right now. Yeah, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Well, I, I think what I mean is, you know, the business needs to operate and we need to be financially solvent and, you know, we need to be generating stuff. And we have employee needs where people are like, I'm sick or I, I need to take care of relatives or, 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 you know, I just need to stay at home for long periods of time when there's actually a physical need in the office to do something. So I, I think trying to figure out how do you honor that? And, and I've seen, and I think we talked about it some, some leaders are hesitant to even go into that because they don't want to say no. They don't want to get in a position where somebody asks for something. And they're like, oh, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So we just won't talk about it. And so the person's not heard and not, but it could be, well, what is, you know, here's what the business need. I think it has to proceed. Like, cause we can't have employee needs met that don't meet the business need. Cause then we don't have a business. So I think people get that. Can we be clear about together? Like, what do we need to do as a business? How's it going to work? We use open books. So it's helpful. And then people talk about what they need. And then we look for the space between and, you know, where's the sweet spot. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I'm imagining as some of those things become more normal and some of those conversations become more normal, leaders may be beginning to realize they don't, they don't want the answer. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, we're, you know, maybe we're paying attention to this trend where people are, um, I guess, paying more attention and kind of redefining what they want and work and, you know, making sure that the company they're connected to really is connected with their values. But then if you're not connected on that level, if maybe the reality is that your workspace isn't super conducive to some of those special requests that people might have, Mm -hmm. then that question becomes really hard to ask because you maybe don't want the answer. Yeah. And some of it's benefit of asking. And yeah. some them, no, thank you for asking. That's really nice of you to ask. But then maybe I, I wonder if there's a lot of leaders um, that are maybe afraid of the answer because they don't know if they'll be able to to meet that. Absolutely. I, I, th- I think that's part of it. I, I know that, you know, when this thing whole kicked off, we actually, our team was coming back from Cuba. We did a trip with a a group that does like social tourism kind of, and they also help people get funding to plant trees and have more efficient cook stop uh, cook stoves and things to try to reduce carbon and, and improve the climate while also helping people locally. It's a pretty cool company. We barely made it back in because the things are shutting down as we went down there. And I think we got back on the, what is it, ninth or something? And then I know Colorado shut down on the 13th of March in 2020. Um, so it was, it was a big impact. But I think what, what's interesting is trying to figure out, um, looking at like the employee needs, like, some people are like, hey, I could go work in Cuba or I could go work everywhere. And, and on one hand, yes. On the other hand, we had one employee in Portland and the amount of paperwork and, and fees for us was really incredible. I, I couldn't believe it. Just having one person who lives in another state caused such humongous paperwork for us. And I thought if you were in a company, you didn't realize that and you have three or four people like, yeah, sure, go live, in, you know, because you get foreign taxes. Now we're doing salaries. So I suppose if it was a 1099, that's their problem. But um, in terms of doing salaries, it it placed the incredible burden on our business that I had no idea was there. In fact, even if somebody was like hanging out in California for a while, not even permanently, we'd have to file as a business entity in California. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's, you know, we're five people. This is not worth it. 
right? But it's hard to tell that to somebody who's like, but I, but I want to hang out in the summers in California. Why can't I? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And, I, you know, I, th- I think a challenge, w- one of the challenges I wrote down kind of is, goes in line with that, which is, you know, as people are redefining just kind of what they want yeah. in their careers and in leadership, I think there's a lot of people that they're they're legitimately asking those questions. They're legitimately taking a step back and trying to figure out, you know, what do I want in my career? What do I want in this next season of my life? What do I want my relationship to work to be? Right. Um, and they don't know the answers. And and I think that's totally okay. I think it's right. 100% okay. But if we're honest, that, that presents a challenge. It's a challenge to, you know, where maybe for the last 10 years, people have just put their head down and worked and have just kind of thought, you know, I'm just going to, you know, get my paycheck, pay my bills and enjoy two weeks off in the summer or whenever. Mm-hmm. And they haven't necessarily asked these harder questions. I think heading into this year, kind of hopefully post great resignation, I think that all of, there's a whole lot of people that did not resign this year that were not as clear about, oh, I want something different. But those questions are kind of beginning to pop up where they're wondering, you know, should I be more clear about what I want? And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a challenge to begin to navigate that. Well, yeah, it's a shared, I think it's a shared responsibility and authority and it's shifting because back in the old days before I even really entered the workforce, I think it was people saw their employers having that responsibility to take care of them and to give them the ladder. And, you know, there was other people that went out and did their own thing, lots and lots of small businesses. And I think, I don't, you know, I'm not a pundit here. I do think that the the situation with our pandemic and doing a lot of remote work really upends that and puts a lot more responsibility, which is probably already always there, on the employee, on the person striving for whatever. And that that's a lot. I mean, I, I can tell you my 16-year-old, um, he is struggling with school a little bit. It's pretty challenging. You know, what can I relate? Some things he's good at, some things he's not good. And I'm like, hey, so maybe we can talk about what you want to do. And he's like, I have no idea. I'm not ready for that. I don't know yet. And I, so how would I know what I want so that I could then get the skills to get there? I right. don't know, you know, and, and on one hand, you, I'm like, well, go try a lot of things. He's like, well, what if I just don't do anything until I figure it out? Well, that, I guess that's an option. Challenging for, as a parent. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's an option that a lot of people are doing right now. Yeah, I think so. Cause just what you said, like they don't know. And so like, why it's it, it sort of, I've seen this in organizations too, where, a leader will come in and just be very excited about, we're going to go on this hundred mile march. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do some great stuff together. And somebody says, which direction? I don't know, but let's start, let's start walking. Hmm. And people take little bitty steps because every step could be a step in the wrong direction. You know, until we figure out where we're going, why walk? Why don't we just stay still, save some energy and figure out what's the best thing going to be happening. And yet walking down the hill, you might find a better path. Yeah, that's a really good illustration. I think that is, uh, we've probably all been around some people that have that enthusiasm to go somewhere, but they just don't know where. Yeah, you know, let's just, let's, just, let's get, act- there, there is this, you know, it's like between the edges, the people have pure activity with no direction, the people have pure direction, no activity, right? It's somewhere in between is the place where I really vote for that. Let's take some action and see what comes back because we probably don't have perfect information, even though we think we might. And there's no such thing as a perfect solution. So let's aim in one direction and how quickly can we get feedback to know whether we're on the right track or not 
and then adjust. We may end up walking right back, but we haven't gone very far. That's okay. Don't want to go down that path. So I, I just see a lot of this sort of partnership for organizations where leaders are asking these kind of questions and helping people figure out their own answers rather than just, you know, you give me the answer or boss, you fix it for me, you know, employee, tell me what you want. I think it's a joint venture. I think it's where, where organizations go really well. They're able to help people find the sweet spots for them and they build enough I guess, flexibility or versatility in their organizations where people can move and grow. And then I think everybody wins. That was stunning, Seth, I can tell. You were just like totally overloaded with them. But so another thing I'll, I'll tell you about, uh, I think is a challenge, and I don't know, again, if anybody has a challenge or an opportunity they're thinking about and want to let us know, we're welcome to have you up on the stage. Um, also, I was muted. I did think it was stunning. Oh, you did think it was stunning. Oh. I, did, I did think it was stunning. Uh, I got temporarily kicked out of the app and had to come back in and came back in. So. Oh, it's all good. Well, we're, we're, I'm glad I let you back in. That was good. So, so one, over, one, one challenge for me, which is sort of sounds like the first world challenge, is that I am experiencing extreme overload. I'm participating in that myself about space and time. Hence the let me take some, let me start blocking time off. In fact, Seth, the goal was to take a couple months sabbatical because, hey, 20 years, you know, I, it, I, it would be cool to do. And then we looked around. I looked around and said, I can't take that much time off because I haven't built the systems to support the things that I'm not here to do. Right. So, so was like, let's go to some sort of dry runs. Let's take some time off and see what happens and, and get people engaged. And I'm hoping next year, maybe to take a couple months and do some really cool sabbatically things. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's neat. And I think, um, I think it's important to recognize those things up front rather than just saying, yeah, I've deserved my three months off and then you leave and everything breaks. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely don't want to do that because we're, we're trying to help each other. So um, sometimes we talk about it as air in the garden hose, you know, you get these like spurts where there's air and then there's water and there's air and there's water. We're trying to continue to make our systems here work so that there's a smooth flow. It's a lot more predictable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get you all wet all over. Um, and, and figuring out what we can do there so that we're not overloaded. There's, there's buffer, there's space for, and time for all of us to do things. That's kind mm -hmm. of, I mean, we don't have an official goal about that, but it matches up with the, our purpose of really helping or wanting a world where people are able to thrive individually and collectively at work. Right. Yeah. I think that, I think that's really important. And I actually just had a conversation with a team member today that, um, was similar to just looking forward to, oh, let's do this. And then as we talked about it, realizing, oh, if we do that, this will break. And, mm. um, you know, another big adjustment we've been, we're making heading into this year's, we're kind of taking on new clients in enrollment seasons. So we're having certain windows throughout the year where we're going to onboard batches of new clients, as opposed to kind of having the wonderful American mentality of, get as many clients as you can, whenever you can, however you can. Right, right. <laughs> um, so instead it's, you know, we're literally like, we're not taking on new clients and then here's going to be our enrollment season. And as we started building out that process, we realized, oh, this is interesting because this will, this is going to put one person or one position in a role where, you know, they're going to have six weeks where their workload is normal. And then they're going to have six weeks where their workload is completely outrageous and yeah. like not sustainable at all. 
And a person on my team actually kind of expressed like, yeah, I want this year to, I want to be able to step away and know that there's processes in place for, for my work to be taken, taken care of. If, you know, we take time off or something happens with family or different things, which is totally reasonable, but it was, um, it was interesting to have that revelation of like, as we built things out, um, and looked you know, three months, literally like at the workload, three months down the road of realizing, oh, somebody's pretty much like somebody's going to get screwed. Like somebody's going to get burnt out with this. This is, it might work really well for some people, but there's going to be somebody on the team that's going to take the brunt of all of this. And that's, that's not going to be happy for anybody. I'm hearing some innovation there, you know, thinking about work differently and trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what you're going to do, which then makes you think about how to have the impact you want to have. That's a pretty cool combination. You know, in fact, I, I mean, let me piggyback on that because one of the opportunities that I had kind of sketched out was, and, and we're really doing a lot of work around this with my company, um, developing yourself, others, your team, your organization, you know, so that there's not, okay, we're all there, everything's stable, we can breathe easy. It's a deep resiliency and ability to flex with whatever's going to come next. And that in itself is the confidence, not I've got everything okay because I don't think things are going to get okay. I, I, I think we're really going to be, in fact, I was talking to somebody and we had a pretty intense discussion. I'll get a little bit serious here. Um, so Victor Frankel, the guy who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, was a psychiatrist that was in the, the uh, Nazi war camps. And he survived um, and wrote a book about that, how the powerful ways that people could make it through. And the people that didn't make it through, he noticed, were the ones that said, okay, when we get to this place or this date, then I know we'll be released or this thing will happen. And those are the ones that withered away when that date came and nothing occurred. Hmm. And the folks that made it through had a deep sense that they mattered and there was purpose well beyond any particular deadline or something coming over. And our conversation, Seth, was around the virus. And saying there are people that are like, well, when we get past this surge, everything will be fine, right? Wow. You know, right? And other people are like, we just need to figure out not we're going to admit defeat or anything, but we're going to figure out what's our purpose and how do we get through this, however long it takes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's such a good. That's a. It is. I don't know about dark. It's it's heavy, like you it's said, heavy. It's heavy. but it's inter- It is really interesting because I think that we've all of us have probably been on both sides of that conversation of saying, okay, I'll let things go back to normal, you know, after this happens, but then hopefully we're all beginning to, you know, have more of a mentality of, do I hope that everything goes back to normal? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I hope that the virus gets eradicated? Absolutely. But the reality is let's make the most of tomorrow. Let's take the situation that we're in right now and make the most of it. And I think that that is a much healthier way to live. And also as leaders is, you know, in not just leader by title, but as people who are influencing people, I think that's a much healthier people, healthier way to influence those around us is to, you know, make, make the most out of what we have right now. There, there was a blog that we just I just put out, um, I think today, and we I talk in it about um, how there's a lot of people that, you know, it used to be when you were a kid, your mom and dad would say, hey, just do your best. That's all that matters, right? Do your best. And then as we grow into adulthood and then we had systems that reinforced this continuous upward spiral of 
expectations and goals and metrics and, you know, and, and that really when things get crazy, you know, when things are normal state, that feels good. I'm climbing the ladder, but we're in a hurricane, right? So it doesn't. So I think the, the postulate I had in there when, you know, and, and Katie and I brainstormed a lot about this when we were writing it and stuff was like asking yourself, hey, what does good look like today? You know, it's not absolving yourself of future responsibility, but just like, what is my best day I can do today? Because that way, if I do this and I have an intention long term, but I'm not holding myself accountable to something that I'm out of, it's out of my control. There's, there's things I, I won't be able to do, but I can control what good looks like today. And I can show up in a way and I can support other people and I can grow. And, and together we can figure out how do we surf these waves rather than, you know, wait for them to calm down. Because it's not going to come down. And, and imagine us all being able to live on the top of the waves. It doesn't matter what wave hits us. We are, we are just going to bounce over to the next one. And we're, we're all good. That's kind of the mentality that we're taking as a team and trying to support other people in the business. Yeah. When we're deeply resilient and have amazing capacity in communication, it won't matter what happens next. We, we got it. I think that's really well said. And, you know, I want to make one kind of final request to anybody who's listening, you know, Angela, Jen, Kathleen, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I think there, if you have any questions or comments um, regarding any of this or, or just opportunities and challenges that you're seeing heading into a new year, um, we'd, we'd love to hear from you um, as well. Stephanie, welcome to the stage. Wonderful. Happy, year, you know. Happy new year, Chris and Steph. How are you? Good. Doing well. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. The way we use the term see now, isn't it funny? It's completely changed. Yes. <laughs> the way we see each other. Good yeah. to hear it talk with you, Stephanie. Yeah, good to hear your yeah, voice while you. my eyes are open. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you once again for another fantastic conversation here on Fireside. And it's so interesting. I mean, first of all, as you both know, I've gushed about the conversations that you have here and the discussions, the thought provoking um, questions that you ask and the things that you consider. It's just, I was so happy to see this show taking place. And it's fascinating because I, Seth, I was listening to you talk about, you know, I agree with you completely. Um, yes, we all want the same things now. We want to, uh, you know, get back to a robust economy. We want to see the millions of people that have resigned to many of which were on the front lines of um, oftentimes checking boxes saying I didn't feel safe, right? Whether that's mm -hmm. restaurant workers and other folks that were um, that were sort of doomed to be <laughs> in, in fairly unsafe conditions. But we also want to, I think, have hope about, I'm hoping the more immediate future than the later future, but nonetheless kind of look at how, how can we plan um, moving forward now and, with a new attitude and, and certainly safety precautions. It's it's interesting because we had a conversation, the three of us, a few months back, and it's fascinating to watch the start of 2022. We talk about the great resignation. We talk about worker burnout. We talk about parents that have been working from home who, by the way, schools are closing again. There's outbreaks again. My son mm. hasn't even started high school yet because his next He's in the second half of his junior year because there aren't enough teachers to teach and there's not enough administrators in the office because everybody's got COVID. Oh, um, and school started almost three weeks ago. So, <laughs> so it's really an interesting time right now because I think that while we're acknowledging that things are hard, it's one thing to say, yes, this is an interesting time and yes, it's disruptive. But the oddity is that I'm not sure 
when I look at global organizations, how they're dealing with people who are at home burned out, mm -hmm. right? We know that workers mm -hmm. are reporting that they're actually working more as a result right. of working from home, not less. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so are, are you seeing anything, Seth and Chris, um, in your walks, certainly Chris, with your expertise and the work that you do, mm -hmm. um, I'm not seeing a big shift from a leadership perspective within large organizations to sort of acknowledge or create space for people to sort of, you know, if it's jump online for an hour and just say, man, this has been really hard. It's been really fascinating to me because I'm not, are we ignoring it? Are we, what are we, do, what are we doing? What do you see? I, I, that's a great question, Stephanie. I, I think, well, and, and there's a mixed bag. It's, it's a spectrum. Uh, first, you know, I haven't seen anybody who's like nailed it or, I know there's some large organizations that did a lot of sort of informal Zoom gatherings or, you know, teams gatherings outside of regular work hours or even within work hours. And there was, a you know, that kind of worked for a while. And people were like, that's just extra time on Zoom or Teams. I don't know if I like that. Um, I've seen we're really lucky because we get to have these intense concentrations with people like we'll be together with them sometimes in person, but lately not um, or at hybrid. But even, even on Zoom, just having conversations about what's really mattering. I mean, we, we have these things where we have 18 people and they'll get into groups of two and ask each other a question about like, what's the something that you've experienced in the last month that gives you some hope or some light or feeling that there's some possibility? And they'll talk for three minutes and somebody will come back at them and say, here's what I got from that. And then they'll switch and do the same thing. And eight minutes later, right, the whole thing these 18 people come back together and we hear from just a few people, not the stories, but the, what the appreciations are. And, and, and that just hearing other people appreciating what's happening, what's possible gives people a sense we're in this together. Everybody gets to talk and listen and it makes a difference. So you have to be really intentional about it, but it still can, it can happen. Um, there are some groups that I think are just like, Hey, you know, we don't know what to do with you. We'll let you work at home three days. Everybody needs to be in on Tuesday. And, and that's the best they've configured out how to do it. But I know that talking to HR professionals, there's a tremendous amount of behavioral health support, that there's a lot of accommodation well beyond policies. And, and there, there's even an understanding that that's going to be inequitable for a while, mm -hmm. that there's people that are going to get more than others. You know, that's one of the reasons why, well, yeah. I can't give that to you because I got to give it to everybody. They're like, you know what? You have two parents at home. We're going to give that to you. And, and yeah. people are still in the, they're in the place where, yeah, you know what? Give it to them. Because that's okay. So I, I don't know if that's a great answer, Stephanie, that there is a spectrum. I think people are paying attention. I think most of the time people don't know how. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're not willing. They just don't know how. And so I, I don't want to screw it up. So I, I don't do anything. Yeah, no, I see. I see that too, Chris. I appreciate that. I think I, I don't, I'm not even sure I was asking a question per se. It was just generally, what are you yeah. sensing? What are you seeing? And I think you certainly answered that. Seth, what's what's your experience been uh, so far this year? This very yeah, short. absolutely. And I mean, don't worry about not asking a question because I feel like most of the questions that I ask on this show are <laughs> me saying things and then <laughs> hoping that Chris sees the question mark somewhere at the end. It's a superpower. What can I say? Yeah. Um, I, I was just, I feel like your question was a good reminder that this is probably still hard. And by that, I mean, I think that we've, you know, whatever the new normal is, like there's people are experiencing some sort of rhythm now yeah. because we're two years into this thing. 
And so I think that it's really easy to make the assumption of like, oh yeah, you've just adjusted to this. And so I, 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 I don't necessarily have any like big observation as far as what I'm seeing, but I think what I'm thinking is, you know, I know that that's something I'm guilty of is kind of assuming that even though there's a lot of uncertainty and things are going crazy again, that, okay, well, you know, you're probably just used to this. So like, you know, let's kind of keep on moving forward as opposed to like continuing to take these pauses and really like check in. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think what you said is a really good reminder to maybe look at the people around us and recognize, Hey, things might still be hard. Like this pandemic and what we're going through might still be hard, even though, you know, we're finding some weird sort of rhythm possibly in the midst of all the craziness. Yeah, agreed. Well, gentlemen, thank you for allowing me to join the conversation again. Very happy to see you um, back here at the beginning of 2022 on Fireside and looking forward to your shows. I just, I love your shows. So thank you both. I appreciate it. Thanks Thanks for making our shows lovable. This is great. Appreciate it, Stephanie. So Seth, do you want to wrap us up here? Yeah, I was just going to say, what are you, um, as we wrap up, what's, um, what is something that you are looking forward to? I'd say from a leadership perspective, like let's put it on the lens of leadership and uh, what's something you're looking forward to this year? I I am looking forward to the fact uh, that, that my team and I are really aligned around what, how we think we can help and that having developed some, even some um, development programs for leaders and team members that people can take, even though they're, they're far away and sort of strengthen themselves and, and senior leaders can invest in people that are leaders. I, I'm, and, and I'm just seeing people with such, um, there's such passion and interest and, and really a burning desire to like, how can we get through this so that not only we make it through, but we're stronger. And that's just fun to be part of Seth. And it just makes me feel like there's so much possibility, even as we're dealing with all this stuff, I'll say it nicely. So I'm excited about that. Really excited about how we are developing people. Yeah, I think that I think that's great. And um, before we're going to let, uh, I want to invite Kathleen up because Kathleen has a question uh, real quick. So before we go, Kathleen, welcome to the stage. Oh, thanks. I didn't realize I was hitting you at the end. I'm so sorry. Oh, no worries <laughs> at all. Um, I actually, what I have been running into the first couple of weeks of this uh, new year um, is just, I'm actually really surprised at the amount of lack of communication that there is, mm. um, and that there's a limited amount of people who really focus in on the communication piece. Um, because I think that if everybody has the same vision in their heads, like we can kind of get away from having to do a lot of the micromanaging that we used to, um, Mm -hmm. as long as we have clear direction. And I think that's the biggest issue today is that because people can't be brought into a boardroom over and over and over again every day, that there's like, what are the new ways that we're connecting that team in a really valuable way that makes them feel like both a part of the solution to whatever it is that the goal is. Um, and then, you know, maintain that. Yeah. Well, Kathleen, and that's some of the excitement that I have because we we get to help create those containers with companies. And mm-hmm. so we see that deliberate communication and, and having people talk, not just be passively absorbing it, but interacting around the information and prioritizing things and sharing thoughts. 
people walk away with it with a deep shared understanding that coupled with some kind of systemic way that we can look at our results together mm-hmm. along the process, kind of like gauges on our on our pipe or whatever that says, oh, we have this much here and that much there and that's going well, or we have a challenge there. Everybody's it doesn't require as much of people talking about it. So we use the talking to make the connections and understanding, and we use the information to help us know whether we're on track or not. And that combination is is pretty unstoppable in terms of people feeling like they can really make progress. So that's fun to be part of. And, and so I, I'm probably lucky that I, I don't hear from a lot of the companies that are struggling really, really hard. We have companies that are doing well and they're trying to get a lot better. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm working for a couple of companies that are right at the beginning. And so understanding just how little they were communicating between each other was just um, frightening. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I think it's a default, you know, you don't want to bother somebody. You don't want to, you know, and so people tend not to, you know, I don't want to get in your business. And, and and yet, yet I think if we're really dedicated to what we're trying to do together, we have to be very much in each other's business in a way that helps. So thanks for adding to this uh, opportunities and challenges here in 2022. Kathleen. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kathleen. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, this has been uh, this has been wonderful, and I think Chris, you know, as I look into this year, I think this is actually the first year. I don't know if I'll say forever. This is the first year for sure in a couple that I'm heading into this year with leadership as a priority. Um, not, and, and I say that because I I feel like some things have shifted over the last year to where I'm not just thinking about you know, efficiencies and growth, but really, um, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to pour into our team and I'm excited also to be led. I'm excited to find, um, you know, more resources and mentors and people that can also pour into me. So I think that's something that just the people side of this year is actually something I'm really looking forward to. Um, and kind of trusting with that, having a trust that that's one of the more important things we can put our time into. Mm. Well, I hope that we get a whole bunch of people that show up with our conversations and we keep build on that mm-hmm. so that we have a trusted community of leaders that's focused on what can we all do to make a difference individually and collectively. Right? Absolutely. So hopefully yeah. it'll be a good year and we'll just do what we can with what we have. Absolutely. And I'm not sure the date of our next conversation off the top of my head. I know for these first few months of the year, we're doing one of these a month. Um, so make sure to, um, follow Chris here on fireside and we'll try and get that posted here soon so that you can RSVP. Um, do you know the the date? I think the subject's going to be around, you know, we'll go a little bit more into how to really develop yourself and people in this challenging time. So it's a nice segue right to what you talked about. Love it. That's wonderful. Well, thank you all for listening and for joining. If you would like any more information, on the amazing and transformative work that Chris and his team at the Trebuchet Group are doing to really help teams have more clarity and confidence, head to trebuchetgroup.com. And uh, Chris, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your January and we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Okay, we'll see you in February. Thanks, Seth. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Ripple Leader Podcast, where our goal is to help you build clarity and confidence for leaders and teams. Don't forget to join us live on Fireside Chat to get your questions answered each week. And if you want to get in touch with Chris and his team at the Trebuchet Group, head to trebuchetgroup.com. That is T-R-E-B-U-C-H-E-T group.
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.